Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a semi-weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. Today, Megan Goins joins me to discuss an upcoming Kickstarter project that she that she is doing with her friend Terry Osenberg. This is a solo journaling game called Terra Arcus. The game places the player in the role of a person entering the land of Fae to find their lost brother. It is a race against time and the devious denizens of the Fae's twisted world. Besides writing prompts, the game features a number of interesting mechanics. In typical Rambler fashion, we cover a number of topics including AI's impact on teaching, the challenges of marketing, and how the fundamentals of writing a good story can inform good game design. There is more, so listen to find out. Sisters and brothers, it is time to get rambling. Hello, Megan. Hi, Jeff. How's it going? It is going good. How's it going in your direction? Oh, life is stressful, but that's what happens. <laughs> life is stressful. Life is stressful. And you said, you know what? Life is stressful. I need to relax, so I need to do a project and do a Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, so I'm a writer, and that's what we do, right? Like, you have Project A and you have Project B, and when you're supposed to be working on Project A, that's when Project B gets done. Uh, and that's... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of why we're here today, <laughs> if I'm being really honest. So, yeah. So, okay, so you so you write, so what, what sort of, I didn't realize, so what do you do as a writer? What, what, like, what does that mean? Oh, so many things. So, um, basically, if it can be written, I am working on something related to it. Um, I have done a nonfiction ghostwriting story. I do several editing projects. I've done, you know, a handful of editing projects in the RPG world. So um, that's a thing I kind of do on the side. I just wrapped one of those up over Christmas break. Uh, I have um, several fiction stories that I'm working on right now. So just kind of whatever, whatever in that world floats my boat. Um, But I also teach writing at the college. Uh, I work at a community college. So, yeah, I've always got something going on, and I teach creative writing, so sometimes the inspiration I give them inspires me. Have you ever read um, The Mind of the Maker by Dorothy Sayers? I don't think so. Uh, maybe she talks about art and how art, there's a, there's a well, it's weird because she goes into Christian theology, and she uses that to explain art, and she uses Christian heresy to explain where art goes wrong, but oh, she talks about yeah. But one of the things is about about art is how like there's a part where you give it out, but there's also a part where the energy kind of comes back. Mm-hmm. So you giving to these people, things happen and yeah. things come backwards uh, in oh, a way that's sure. very positive, and it's kind of funny how that happens um, with people. So. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're able to, uh, so you're able to have a a quote unquote like normal job, uh-huh. and then you're able to have the, the other stuff for for supplemental to uh, to work things that are fun and things that uh, yeah they find are interesting. Yeah, I uh, I started off in graphic design, and I got most of the way through that degree before I went on a uh, field trip to. I guess I better not name any names, but to a particular large name brand company that um, usually hired a lot of students from my school. And I looked around and I realized, oh, they want me to be creative in a gray cubicle. 
next to all these other gray cubicles <laughs> and my spirit like crumpled and died inside of me. So I had been taking all of these other classes um, as I was waiting for my prereq classes to open up because just the timing of how enrollment happened, I was always stuck like on the second set of enrollment. So I was always late getting into my prereqs and they were full. So I ended up moving into English classes. That's where I met Terry. Um, and I thought, well, it'll be perfect because I'll teach during the school year and then I'll have all summer to write. Except then we ended up pregnant. Um, my very first semester teaching found out I was pregnant. <laughs> um, and so I've had kids all summer that are just now finally big enough uh, where I, I kind of have summers free to write. Um, and so, yeah, that didn't really work out the way I expected. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of, I mean, kids do. I mean, I'm at the point of, of my life where uh, we have a, a fair number of, of, of children and most of them have, have moved on, moved on, mm -hmm. moved on. We're past you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they've, they've moved out. We got one at home. Well, one's going to come back, but it, my, I don't have to, I don't, it, my energies are not put towards that. So it's, right. it's the yeah. now, it's in the years where I can't actually put much more time into, into things I choose to, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, there's those seasons of life and with mm -hmm. kids, it really does kind of flick as far as, you know, whether, you know, when they're in school or when they're in high school, then uh, the amount of attention that they need and how much they don't want or do want, it's, it's, uh, it does vary, but you're right. You're in a, you're in a point now where you can start expanding out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, so you do, so you do fiction, you do nonfiction. So how do you, so do you, so do you, um, do you do like speculate? Like for your, when I say speculate, do you, do you say, hey, I want to write a thing and then you try and find somebody to buy it? Do you, uh, or do you, do people commission you to write? Um, at this point, I write the things that I like to write and I haven't worried, um, I haven't worried too much about right to market. I've got um, I've got my first couple uh, nonfiction going to come out on KDP here in a month or so, right? So um, on some of the nonfiction sort of stuff, and that is a little bit more right to market. So what's the season? What are people into at this time of year? Like what are the biggest hits right now? That kind of thing. Like what's popular as far as like nonfiction, which is usually more seasonal. Um, but for fiction, I, I don't have anything published fiction-wise yet, uh, so it is really just me writing for the fun of it at this point. And it's all so, fantasy and, and weird sci-fi stuff, and yeah. So, so I got a friend that is, does some writing. He, he's not really interested in self-publishing, but I've, I've kind of pushed him that way. Well, I've pushed him. I've, yeah. I've recommended him. I mean, that's always an option now, I mean, the ability to, to do that. I think... I don't know what the, what it's like on Amazon and all of these other other platforms, but it, it does seem like it's easier to do things now than it ever has been. Oh yeah, I think it's probably harder to get found, but it's easier to get out there. Yeah, and I think I imagine I don't know. Uh, it, I think the idea is to probably to be found. There's probably two aspects. One, you, you probably one needs to. Uh, be putting something out on a somewhat regular basis. Mm -hmm. And then the other part is just also marketing, however that works. Right. And I went to school for English uh, <laughs> I, and not marketing. So that's what I tell my students uh, is, hey, if you're going for anything in the arts, 
Uh, you definitely need some marketing info. Um, I've done a lot of research online. You know, YouTube can teach you a lot, but uh, kind of kicking myself that I went for the English degree instead of the business one at this point. Yeah, you chose your heart over money. So, mm-hmm. um, the well, I think the idea is if you go to work for somebody, you don't need marketing. Right. But if you're going to do work, you're going to do your own work, then marketing becomes very important, as well as accounting, as well as a lot of other things. Yeah. Although what we're seeing lately uh, in the field, and I don't have depth of knowledge in this, right, but um, what they're starting to say in the field is that even the big publishing houses expect you to do a lot of your own marketing. Well, so yeah, I mean, because so I have people write for me, and mm-hmm. and various people, and I pay them. I mean, and and some people do a very good job as far as pushing stuff out to varying degrees. But me as a publisher, I'm thinking, our my success is your success. Like, yeah, right. you've been paid. Not not that nobody every every day, almost everybody does. But I mean, there is a certain amount of like, yeah, the the writer should be doing something. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> I don't disagree. Like, if you have fans, you need to connect with those fans. You need to build that audience. You ought to be doing some of that anyway. But I figure if I'm going to be the one who's building my marketing team and my strategy and my whatever, then I might as well be getting paid to do that too. So um, it's nice to have the wide distribution. But as you said, with with the digital world that we live in now, having that wide distribution is easier than ever to do from home. Um, And it's being taken a lot more seriously until... AI, you know, I mean, AI. So who knows? The whole world's changing. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, it, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I think there's will be a point where AI will definitely take a lot of work. Mm. And I know, like, like for instance, like, what is it called? Writing copy. Like, I do, a, like, for Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. You know, writing all the stuff for Kickstarter, it's a hassle. Yeah, I could see where having an AI, where mm-hmm. you could say, "Here's some some product descriptions, fluff it up, and present it in a way that would would work for for marketing," and I could see where that would be very useful. But I don't know that any any AI was going to replace you being able to write very specific things that draw from your experiences in a way that touches people. Like, there's no way an AI AI is not really writing. It's, it's no. It's not. So I think people who are writing good material. So I used to think back in the day, why couldn't you take a, a, a of course, you know, this is me probably being uh, not great, but I was thinking like romance novels, like Mad Libs. Like, is there a way that I thought a long time, could you take a computer program and just, you know, okay. randomly select nouns and adjectives and whatever <laughs> and just apply this randomly and churn out books and then read through the books to see which ones turned out okay and what could you put out enough books that way and uh, and publish should be successful but i guess that was now we're at the point where that that probably isn't that far off with ai being able to put out yeah stuff that's real i mean simple. i think to some degree i mean you say romance books but like my son right now uh he's like can i go to the library every night right after school because his friend is like trying to make this zombie game right and he's like okay first you need a tragic backstory (laughs) right like you know like it doesn't matter what genre we're in right same thing with conan stories or whatever it's it's, right yeah we want we like those in a lot of those genres are very much set up in a very predictable way and that's what we want we want it is what we want yeah yeah (laughs) Um, one of the things I've seen is, um, 
like I've played with it a lot, right? So as a teacher, right, the number of my students who are like, all of their like summary questions or any of their like critical thinking questions. So many of my students don't even try anymore. They just like straight into the AI, right? All of that all the day. Um, and oh. <laughs> yeah, if I have an online class or if I have students who can use online for anything to do their work, uh, yeah, straight in there. So, um, so I've gotten a lot of experience with AI, like wanted to or not, right? I've, I've got quite a lot of experience there. Um, and it just doesn't have, it doesn't have soul and it doesn't always have a lot of very good cohesion, right? Right. <laughs> At this point. So I still think it's important to have a person behind the wheel right now. So I did a, a, a uh, supplement called Faint of the Fly God. Okay. And it was just, it's weird, wild this creepy fantasy stuff and uh, revolving around flies. And so I, so I tried to, it could do poems mm-hmm. and some different things. You could start it. And it was, it was doing like weird, it, but it was good because it was weird and disjointed and it was a little bit off, which was yeah. really kind of cool. But it, it was, but it was also pulling stuff from like the book of Joe got real biblical. Oh. But it, would trains, it was really wild. It was really, <laughs> really wild. But, it, but there's, but the point is like, it is kind of the disjointed could work, but you're right. It, it's, it's nonsense. It's just scraping from other things and, and rewriting it in weird ways and, yeah. And sometimes it works okay, sometimes it doesn't. But there's never a point where you say, wow, this is like e- reading E.B. White, or wow, this is like reading <laughs> or it's like it is you'll never say that. You might say, Oh, yeah. that, that's a passable paragraph. <laughs> yep, that's fine. Well, and there is more success, I think, um, when my students do it, like if they have already planned like a legitimate outline and they just do it small piece, like paragraph by paragraph, I think there's some more success there, but it takes a human to say, okay, this is the order. This is the organizational pattern. This is like the general direction we're heading. Like, yeah. But I think what, if, if, if I, they say, so kind of what you're, if I get what you're saying, what you're saying really in a sense, I mean, not saying, but I guess what, what's being, um, potentially uh, implied is that that the AI itself isn't bad, but the problem is with kids utilizing it, they're not really learning those things that they really oh, right. need to become great writers. So they're skipping the foundational steps. Like yeah. it's okay if you're later and you're a good writer and you right. know what's good, what's bad. And you need to say, you know what, I'm a little dry right here with some ideas. Let me just spontaneously do a few yeah. things to see what, what comes up. But to just go right to there and have try and write a paper is, uh, is fraught. Yeah, like I don't mind. I mean, I think um, in education, there's one side of it where it's like, oh, this is scary. This is, you know, new technology. Like kids can't use calculators. Like when are they going to have a calculator with them all the time, right? I kind of feel to some degree that, oh, guess what? Now we all have a calculator on our phone, you know, (laughs) like some of that. Um, And businesses are absolutely using it. So am I preparing students for the real world if I don't teach them the skill? But the problem is they are skipping over all those foundational things. How do you know if it's right if you don't know what right looks like? You know, that kind of a thing. So when when they're having it do their critical thinking on their homework, and we absolutely know that it it just makes stuff up, right? It hallucinates stuff sometimes, (laughs) like... (laughs) I don't know that that's really what we're looking for. Yeah. 
No, and I because I also the, I remember people were complaining about cursive because uh, we taught our kids cursive, but oh, it's yeah. it's not being taught, and people were lamenting. I'm like, I don't even write. I don't handwrite almost anything. I do occasionally notes, but that's that's it. I do not write. I hate writing. But then somebody was saying, well, but the problem is, um, you know, besides just like checks, there's a lot of documents that are in the past that are like handwritten and like mm-hmm. kids can't read it. And I never really thought that like those things are, and it means like a different language. Like they can't write, cur- they can't read curse. Not just they're not comfortable writing it. Like it is a, it is another language. So <laughs> like, our kids have now like elementary school is bringing that in where we live again right so for several years they've had that again but they there was a gap for a while um but mine the one that cracks me up is when we do process i make my students explain step by step how to tie a shoe right something everybody's done well nobody wears shoes with ties anymore they wear slide-ons or um their shoes have stretchy laces or whatever like so they know it and they like they'll pantomime it as they're trying to figure out the steps or whatever you know but everybody's like why like why is this the thing you're having us do because they're gen c and they've never really needed tied shoes it is wild, isn't it? It, it, is, it is. The world changes in very subtle ways. We don't, I don't necessarily see, but then when you start bringing that stuff up, you're like, you're yeah. right. Yeah. It's like, I've got a stick shift for a car and I'm not worried about oh, anybody yeah. ever stealing it. I will never worry about anybody <laughs> steal that car. No, I tried to learn stick shift and I got um, just a couple blocks away and then the engine started smoking and I was like, <laughs> oh my God, what did I do? And it turned out, no, um, what we didn't know was that the guy had jerry-rigged some like under the hood, like under the engine block, something or other. And it was a lemon and it had fallen apart on us. It just waited until oh. me who'd never driven before got behind the wheel to start acting up. So that was my one experience <laughs> driving six shift. And you're so terrified you never did it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never gone back. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, it's, I've done it for reasons that are uh, mainly for, get a car cheaper had nothing to do with uh, oh, sure. any other virtue, but uh, yeah, there's values in that, but it, yeah, the world's cheap. So you, but you are, have a Kickstarter coming. We do. Yeah. So you and, and your friend, uh, Terry mm-hmm. have got a Kickstarter. So what is it that you are kickstarting? So we have a Kickstarter called Terra Arcus and this Kickstarter is a single player journaling RPG game. And the premise is that uh, you are kind of the guardian of your little brother, and he has run off and disappeared in a fairy ring. And as you try to find him, you get sucked in also, but you're too slow, right? He's already run off ahead of you, and he's gone. He's disappeared somewhere in the world of the Fae. And your job then is to find him and bring him back home to the human world. Um, Of course, there are a lot of dangers. Uh, Our Fae are not sparkly vampires or like friendly folk uh they are the kind who are going to um have respect for you because you beat them in a fight for example um or we have a lot of old school fae in there some of the ones that are not as common so we have fan favorites we have a leprechaun and a banshee and some of those um but we also have like the little rat men or um terry has some um specific shapeshifters and we have like the kelpie and some of those in there as well so um lots of lots of darker fey and lots of ways to die uh which is fun we 
we uh, are kind of hoping that uh, we can bring back to your imagination sort of that uh, nostalgic, forgotten sort of Celtic Bay. So I think I already know the answer. So, so do you and Terry, do you play RPGs on a regular basis? So um, I played RPGs for a long time uh, until, as we said, I do, I do a lot of the parenting stuff. Uh, and so when my kids got to a certain age, my husband ran the RPGs. So there was only one parent left to go, like, take care of their needs when they were little. And so that fell on me. And at that point, I kind of fell out of RPGs. But, yeah, I played for a long time. And I still edit many, many RPGs. Like, that's that's a thing that I still do. Um, but Terry plays regularly. And she's actually the reason that we're writing this. Okay. Uh, because, yeah, so I didn't know single-player RPGs were a thing. My husband's written one. I still didn't know they were a thing. Um, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, I know exactly and, how that is. My wife has no clue. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he brought one home one day. He, he's always getting RPGs in the mail, right? That's part of, part of who he is. Uh, but he got one, Lost in the Dark, by Diogo in the mail. And I was like, oh, I love dwarves. What is this? Uh, and so I was going through it. I was flipping through it. I was like, well, I want to write one. Can I write one with you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. And then he never, like, it never happened. And I finally was just like, I'm writing one. And if you're not going to do it with me, <laughs> I'm going to get Terry to do it with me. <laughs> and uh, and so um, he's still hoping to write one eventually. I don't know when eventually will be. Um, but Terry had such a hard time finding a group when she she moved from Kansas to Texas a few years ago. And she had a terrible time finding a group, but she really, really, really wanted to get into a group and play again and whatever. And I thought, well, this is a perfect way to solve both of our problems. If I get interrupted, I'm not wasting anybody else's time. They're not going to have to roll for me at the table or anything like that while I'm taking care of my business. I can just pause my game and come back to it. And for her, when she didn't have a group to play with, she still got to play anyway. And it kind of scratched that itch a little bit. And so anyway, uh, I called her and I was like, you want to do something weird? And she's like, yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it was born. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So did, um, so does Terry play like D&D &D or does she play different types of RPGs? Um, she mostly plays D and D. She, uh, depending on what the group does, she will venture occasionally somewhere else. But D and D is really her um, fifth edition right now. Um, is their campaign? But yeah, she uh, she plays mainly D and D. This kind of interesting because really, like uh, the journaling games, I think they've been around for a little while. But they, I think, for it may be kind of a very small group of people, but they're really hot items like there is a the group of people that love them like really love them yeah i was absolutely thrilled when i realized that this was a genre that existed um terry and i met as um as we were getting our degrees in english right we're both writers at heart we love writing we both teach english so we both use writing prompts all the time and for us when we went through um the lost in the dark is a card-based system as we went through that system, we realized, oh, every card is just a writing prompt. And it can be as weird or crazy as we want it to be. But how awesome is that? And so that's kind of how we started. And then we leveled it up in our next round of edits or whatever by adding in several different types of complication and rules. Um, and anyway, it's, it's turned into kind of a fun little game. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's something I've never done. I think it's just because I don't know why. I did I did uh, back a uh, a soul journaling game. Um, well. Uh, a few years ago, but I still never played it. But uh, but something that I think I've recognized that would be a good exercise. Um, but for people who are not just saying it's a good exercise, that enjoy really enjoy writing, that's mm-hmm. a, an amazing way to be able to to be able to kind of do two things at the same time. Yeah, I think it is. It's a a nice way to combine both of those loves into something. And our goal. Um, and she'll say this absolutely for sure. I think both of our goal uh, is not to get it out there, but then to hear the stories that people have created with it come back to us, right? Um, just just so that we can read it and, and see what fun you had as you played it. I think that's kind of what success looks for us is having people be like, oh my gosh, I had so much fun. Here's how it went for me. Uh, and just getting to hear that from people. So yeah. It should yeah. be replayable. It should be, you know, inspiring oh, yeah. for whatever you want to do, uh, ideally. But yeah, that's interesting. So the and it's it's interesting because you you it's a game, so it's still um, there are still some mechanics. Um, so I guess in general, how how does the game work? So each card has a specific prompt for it. So one of the reasons that I thought Terry was great for this particular game is she's really well-versed in like tarot cards. And so I called her and I said, hey, there are four different courts of the Fae, right? The different seasons. Um, and there's four different houses and a deck of playing cards. Can we figure something out? And so we kind of combine those two elements so that every card has a purpose based on a particular Celtic deck that she was using. I don't know what that deck was. Um, and so the tarot deck is larger than a deck of playing cards. So we kind of had to pick and choose which elements we were going to use there. Um, but that's that's the first piece of it. So you will roll a D6. You're going to draw a certain amount of cards uh, depending on what your D6 roll was. And then each of those cards are going to have a different element on them. So we have some boon cards. So occasionally um, a, a fey person will give you some sort of a boon. So it may be um, a special cloak or a special ring or whatever, and they have certain benefits. And you can use them for a couple different purposes. Um, we have relationship cards because the Fae are all about building alliances and who's on whose side and what strings are being pulled. So depending on how you do in different fights or in different situations, you can build uh, not an army, but you can certainly build support of the Fae. But you can also sell out the Fae if you need to, depending on different situation cards that come up, which is really great. I love that uh, aspect of it. Um, so getting to sell out the Fae. Uh, and then at the very end, we have a battle of the queens. So if you uh, end up joining one court over another court, the queens will go to war. So um, some of the main elements that we have as far as gameplay inside. But this is only a lot of fun. I've, I've, I've had a little bit experience um, as far as, like, I think the uh, the uh, Dresden Files is probably my favorite. Oh, I love the Dresden Files, yeah. <laughs> and the second was, uh, was it... Mr. Strange and Doctor, I can't remember the name. It's a British series. Okay, it's, set in like, it's set in the uh, like the late 1700s. Okay. Um, and it was, but that was the, it was about Faye, and it was pretty. Mm-hmm. It, it was a lot of twists to it, but yeah, they're not they're not the happy you know lucky yeah. charms type people. They're they're the ones that will 
create these machinations and put you in situations that you don't want to be in and know how to, to use language and and make contracts and all this yes. kind of nonsense. <laughs> all of those kind of things and don't eat the food and, and definitely don't say thank you and all of those kinds of things for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and you know, you mentioned a lot of the different uh, creatures. They, they are just, uh, there's just a lot of creepiness. So there's a plenty of opportunities for, for that. So let's say a person, let's say a person's not really, um, say well-versed in the, in that kind of uh, mythology. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm assuming that the book would have explanations or guidelines to how to deal with that. So the way that we have it set up now, you don't really have to know a lot about the Fae, but if you know about the Fae, you're going to, I think, um, find some really great little gems in there for you. Um, so um, each of our Fae... I think on all but one of the playing cards is named and then also described. So you get kind of a brief explanation of who the Fae is and what they what they look like. Um, so she had one, and I'm not going to be able to pronounce the name of it, that is like, for example, half cow, half horse, right? Um, and so uh, one is half in one direction, one is the opposite halves <laughs> together, you know, kind of a thing. Um, and that's an, just an old creature uh, in legend. And so she gives you the name for it, and then she describes it for you so that you know what it is that you're looking at, and you can interact with it based then on its personality. So, so what, you'll get you know, a, What's the purpose that, I wonder what purpose that served in their mythology? So... <laughs> If we look, okay, so this is how I, I get really nerdy. Zach is nerdy at the appropriate things, my yeah. husband, and all that, like, appropriate, like, acceptable ways. I'm like, I want to know old English. I want to know all the old lore, right, whatever. So yeah. um, following heroism back through history, the original monsters that heroes faced, right, early pre-Greek you know, gods as we know them, whatever. Um, the first monster that Hercules ever faced was a lion. Right. It was just a big lion. Right. So this is something that we see from most cultures is their first monsters were actually real creatures that could cause people harm, except they were slightly amplified. And then it was once, um, I think maybe once those started to get a little tropey, that uh, they started... The storytellers uh, had to come up with something new, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of how that worked, is then they started like, well, this is really weird. Yeah. Uh, and, well, you and think this is weird? What if it has two heads? Yeah, Whoa. it's an abomination for real. Like, yeah. But a cow and a horse, though, that's what I don't know. I mean, I really want to know, like... like so... When I was a kid, I was completely convinced that the Brontosaurus turned into the giraffe because they both have long necks, right? I can under, I can follow the logic. Yeah, or like the three horn turned into the rhino, like that kind of a thing. Yeah. I I think um, I think it's probably similar logic, although we've also seen with like certain Greek monsters that the skeletons that were put together were probably based in like tar pits. And the, the, the Irish have their bogs, right? Right. Um, and so what would happen is people would pull something out, and it would be a tangle of bones. 
And they would say, well, this looks like a horse bone. And this looks like, how did that creature come about? And it didn't necessarily occur to them at different times, you know, different animals would get stuck together or something like that. That's the the running theory right now. Well, I guess with like with paleontology, they would have the bones of dinosaurs and early on they would construct them in a way that's like, you know, they're standing upright like a person or whatever. It's like, well, no. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, the other thing too, you know, I also wonder if like, was there something, you know, with, of course it's hard. We will never know, but it's like, was there a specific, like, is there like a moral tale that originally started? Like, you know, therefore you never do this or, or if there was something that was seen and somebody got confused or, if it was just somebody just making up a wild story and all the people laughed and, and then they just carried it on. And who knows? Like, it could have been all of those things, right? Well, if you go outside right now, then such and such is going to get you, right? Yeah. Like, it, you know, candlelight and no street lamps and, you know, fog rolling in. Like, it could have been a lot of things. And Yeah, watch out for the horse cow. Right. It's kind of frightening <laughs> now I think about it. I think you tell your kids there's a there's a horse cow out there. You do you know, not want to meet with it. <laughs> there's so much like shape shifting inside like Celtic mythology in general, right? Like the puka can take several forms, like some of those kind of things. Like there's just so much of that shape changing uh, stuff that um, I don't know. It, like that's kind of a silly one, but I think they have several examples of that. Yeah, nothing compares to the Japanese for silly. Okay, tell me more. Well, there was a, there's a there's a role playing game called Golden Sky Stories, mm-hmm. and you can it, but it's the most it is the most kid friendly game you can ever play. But you play these you you're helping somebody. The whole session is to help somebody. I I've lost my well similar I lost my brother, but it doesn't end with people dying. It will never mm-hmm. end with people dying. Uh, but you can also <laughs> be these Japanese monsters, and one of the monsters is it's an umbrella, um, but instead of the you know, having the the pole in the middle, mm-hmm. it's a human leg. Oh, okay, yeah. And so I played that monster. <laughs> I just <laughs> walked around and had an umbrella. I would flap. I mean, it's awesome. just. I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I just kind of like know. Like, what's the impetus for that? It's just. I. I. It's just weird stuff like that. It is weird. Well, how dark is your sense of humor, right? Like, not that I have a joke, but just that, like, I think there's some of that, right? Like, you can either laugh or you can cry. And sometimes poking humor at something is the way that we get through it. Yeah. I I don't know. Or how much of it is just, like, let's just be silly and lighthearted, you know? Yeah, it's just a fun story. Then everybody says, oh, they must really believe this. You're like, yeah, we never believe this. It's just a joke. (laughs) But it's everywhere. Someday aliens are going to come to Earth and they're going to be like, did they really believe that this, like, glove with the five stones on it was going to wipe out, you know? (laughs) But I think, you know, when you look at people, especially, I mean, life was hard back in in the old days. And um, Mm -hmm. and I think the, the, I don't know, but like the, the folklore of things not being what they seem. I mean, there's, so like, I, I, I do... So, like, I do the, the bestiary. I do a bestiary for Gary's appendix. And I try and take a new look. Well, I don't do a deep dive. Not as deep as you. But looking at the traditional monsters and saying, oh, let's look at mythology and things. Mm-hmm. But the harpies, um, 
are really come from the like the, the term like uh, strong winds or, or, or storm winds. Mm-hmm. And they were the explanation for things. It went from like the wind blowing things away to, well, the harpies took them. And they're always associated with strong winds. Okay. And so they're seen as thieving. And so you can kind of see how those things develop. Like, okay. Right. You know, well, you know, you, you go to your backyard and all of a sudden the thing is gone. You know, mm-hmm. like you're, you're swimming, you're, you're, you're trampoline, like nowadays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trampoline's oh. gone. And yeah. you find it later on, it's like three miles away. Like, I don't know what happened. Well, we had 15 mile an hour winds, but why is it there? Well, we know why, but back then it was, you could attribute it. And I think missing yeah. people could also be attributed to the harpies must have gone because they were creatures of judgment. So if right. they would take things, they would also could take people. Mm-hmm. And that would explain why people are missing. Because, you know, they're obviously bad people and they, they had to go to, to Zeus for judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that could definitely be part of it. Well, and we all tell ourselves stories, right? Um, I mean, to to an extent, we all lie to ourselves to begin with, right? Like... Yeah, I can definitely afford this piece of cake in my diet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, sure, that shirt looks good on me, right? Like we, <laughs> you know, like it's, I think it starts small and then it just kind of balloons out. And when you're stuck inside all winter because it's freezing, like who's going to blame you if you get a little crazy, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I think the thing is we, everybody tries, I mean, I think the human condition in the brain is constantly trying to make sense of the world. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if you follow, you know, I think a lot of that logic, there is a sense of, it does make sense. It may not be right, but like, like the giraffe and the, and the, 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 the brontosaurus, like the logic isn't like solid, but it, I can, I can see that, that there's, there's, it does make sense, like how a person could see that. Well, as, as someone who uh, has kids and who has answered many a question for my children, right? Uh, there was a point where my son was really little, and he asked me, Mom, why does the moon have those circles on there? And I was just having a day, you know? He was like a toddler, and it was one of those days. And I said, oh, that's because when the, when the rocket ship went to the moon, they took a truck up there, and it was doing donuts in this monster truck up there. And since there's no atmosphere, they just stayed forever. And, like, I was joking. I didn't think anything about it. He's like, okay. And then he's, like, out the window talking about something else. A week later, he brings it up. He's like, Mom, what color was the truck that was on the moon? He's like, oh, no. I just started some lore. Like, you yeah. know, <laughs> how much of it is just, like, parents trying to answer, you know, their kids, and they take it seriously and pass it on? Like, we, there's so many ways that stuff can get started. So Yeah. Yeah, and I think we, now we're kind of able to to enjoy – and I think even there's probably a certain amount of it's we even use it in our own ways now to kind of deal with our own issue. Like, you know, I've heard that like monster movies and such, mm-hmm. they, they are really a, a sign of what people are afraid of at any at a time. And that's a way of dealing with it. Yeah. Um, oh, who was it? One of, one of the three Greek philosophers, I don't know, uh, I want to say Socrates, but I could be wrong, uh, would talk about tragedy as, um, oh my gosh, what's the word he used for that? It wasn't therapy, but it was, um, oh, it was similar to that. Basically, he's like, this is, oh, catharsis. He said it was catharsis. 
right? We watch tragedy so that we don't have to go through it, but we can release those pent-up emotions. Uh, I think there's some of that true for our fears. Well, I think so. I, I Well, I, I should say, I think for gaming, I think for me as a guy, I think for gaming that is true. Because I grew up um, when the Cold War was, was really, really strong. Mm-hmm. And so we would play post-apocalyptic games about the world having getting blown up and messed up, and I think we could kind of contain it. Yeah. Anyway. But then there's this movie from, it was A24, uh, that has, a, um, is it Julie Louise Dreyfus? Uh, she's the one that played uh, Elaine in, in, um, in uh, and Friends, not Friends, but uh-huh. in uh, Seinfeld. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. great actor. And it's about her and her daughter, and her, and the story is her, her daughter's dying. Oh, okay. And they're going, this commercial, I'm, this, 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 this is like trailer I'm watching. I'm like, I can understand how it would be useful to people, but I cannot. <laughs> I could not take it. I about couldn't take just to watch the trailer. Yeah. But for some people, it's going through that is probably helpful. Maybe, maybe a healthy person could watch it and go through that. But I'm looking at that and like, I don't want any part of that ride. <laughs> no, it, oh, no, that would be terrible. That would be rough. Um, I think that's true. Uh, yeah, I think everybody's got their thing. I don't but, know. But you can like like these. But I do see where these shows and this, my wife loves these 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 Korean K dramas. It's K dramas. Okay. They're very emotional. Have you seen those? Um, I've seen a couple of them, and I have friends who really like them. Yeah. But I think it, it's contained. So, I mean, I think for people who are able to detach it and watch it and get it caught up in the emotion and then it's over. Right. You know, I could see where that could be uh, for people. Yeah. Um, I went, you know, to school for writing, but they all wanted us to write, like, literature, right? Like, they wanted those deep, heart-wrenching moments. and Yeah. Like, the super emotions and like the unrealistic, like shocking events that might happen in somebody's life. They wanted like a book full of vote, you know? And I think both Terry and I kind of came out of our program and we're like, why would we write that? We both wanted to write what they considered like potato chip fiction, right? Like the stuff that's just like fun to consume and lets you uh, experience life in a way that's slightly off kilter. That's one of the things I love about like fantasy is you don't have to deal with the problem head on. You can look at it from an angle and sure, that's how they did it. Oh, maybe I could do something similar in my life, but it's like a subconscious recognition. It's not in your face about how to live your life or the exact same challenges you face. Uh, and by taking that step off, it makes it more approachable, even if it is about somebody's kid dying. It just doesn't feel, I don't know, as immediate, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the thing is, is like, obviously, literature and art, it doesn't have to be one thing or another. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, we do recognize great works of art, great works sure. of literature, obviously, but yeah. and how does this compare? But in, in a sense... Somebody reads it and somebody enjoys it. Somebody finds joy in mm-hmm. getting away from their existence and engaging into a world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a lot of positive in that. Yeah. The escapism is nice, right? There's there's a little bit of escapism in there. That's why I started writing in high school was like just the escapism aspect, right? Like 
felt like I was too cool for school and too grown up and too whatever. And like, I wanted out of there and all that kind of stuff. And uh, writing was an escape. It was fun. Yeah. And I think there's, there's a point where uh, there's value in that. And because uh, I guess going back to, you know, some people, um, you know, deal with heavy things in their life and maybe they, they don't want to deal with heavy things in, in play. And maybe people don't have a lot of heavy things going in life, but they do enjoy understanding people's vantage point. I think the advantage of some of the heavy stuff maybe is you can, you can kind of learn and see, maybe learn's not a good word, but, uh, but it is the same thing with role-playing games too. Um, being able to work with other people and deal with other people and, and, and be understanding of other people. There's a good, there's a lot, there's a lot of good things that come, but, yeah. uh, but you're right. But the idea is that all these kids that are coming through that program is, are going to be, you know, you know, doing these, it's, it'd be like saying everybody comes out of this music program is going to sing an opera or, or whatever. It's right. like, that's ludicrous. <laughs> but anyway, we can, but like, is that, is that where I'm being called? Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I mean, I think for all of us, um, that, that have a creative bent, I mean, there's, there's something that's calling to us to produce. I mean, there's a reason why we're producing what we're producing. And I don't know, I don't think we choose it. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't understand any of it, but it's not, it chooses us. We're not choosing it. it I don't, I don't get it. That's an interesting idea. Um, you write horror, right? No, I don't write anything, but oh. uh, I, I write RPG <laughs> stuff, but I don't do it. I give my husband a hard time. I'm like, why are you in all this horror stuff? What's that say about the man I married? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> No. Uh, yeah, I think there's definitely, um, I think people are kind of called to different avenues. I would, I would maybe agree with that. I write everything. I have such a hard time limiting myself to any one thing, which is not good if you're trying to build a following, but, um, but I think, uh, for example, this particular pathway has been, um, like the Celtic pathway, my family's Irish and Scotch Irish, right? Like, ah, yeah. Um, and so for me, this has been um, kind of lore and stuff like that that I have treaded deeply in for a long time, right? Like I've consumed just a lot of this kind of material, uh, and so for me, it was natural. Like this is something that I'm probably always going to love. I'm always going to be interested in. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think there is something to that. I I've never thought of it that way before. So for me, I guess like you, um, my interest in RPGs runs quite a gambit. I am not <laughs> like a one system person and I don't like, and I enjoy, I enjoy changing multiple ones. And also the products I produce are varied, <laughs> but it's like you, you're, and I understand what you're saying too. It's like, you're, it's kind of weird because you're not developing one thing. Yeah. Are you, are you diluting "Quote unquote, your brand by doing that, right? I, mean, it I don't know, but I don't know. There's we don't have any choice. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like... <laughs> it's so hard to write something if you don't feel connected to it, right? Like, um, the inspiration isn't there, the muse or whatever. Like, it it is definitely a job, but it can kill your soul. So I think, um, as a creative person, like, yeah, you kind of got to follow, kind of got to follow your heart and your intuition there." Well, and like you were saying, is my daughter felt I think the similar path that she went through graphic design, and um, 
the problem she was facing, I think, is that I think seeing that the field would just be like mind-numbing, uninteresting mm -hmm. kinds of things day in and day out, like you know, our brochure, yeah. like flyers and brochures. It's like you know, and there's people who can find that interesting, but but for her, it, that was like no. <laughs> I couldn't have done it. That's why I didn't do it. <laughs> well, and looking at the way, and looking at the way, um, even I hate PowerPoint, but man, PowerPoint's doing some crazy stuff yeah. for suggestions where it's like, it won't be too much longer. It'll, it'll be able to do really nice uh, private brochures for people with very little effort. Um, mm -hmm. So, but anyway, the, 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 the edge is going to be doing the, uh, the, the Celtic, uh, Irish, uh, you know, folklore, the fae, and going into this, and and the the card games that combine using the the cards and the and the journaling, because there's there's no AI that's going to produce that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so fun, and it's so much of it that um, Terry's a researcher, right? She she loves research, so I'd be like, okay, Terry, here's our goal. Are you going to be there? And she's like, oh yeah, I just got to read this book first. <laughs> So <laughs> she did all sorts of research in it. Um, so I guess that's maybe a situation where she didn't, um, she loves it, but she didn't, like, that wasn't the first area where she felt particularly called. But it can happen. You can, I mean, you can move that direction, so. Well, and I think anything that you're wanting to do, and especially being a limited number of creators, so you're, you're very fortunate to have a partner you can work with. Um, mm -hmm. So that's 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 a very big plus. But the idea is that it, it's going back to the marketing bit. It's like to get this product from a conception to to a final product in a way that you feel satisfied with takes a variety of tasks, and a lot of them just aren't that interesting. No. <laughs> well, I like because I like the role playing, but I also like I love the art aspect and the graphic design aspect of it, right? Like, I love that part. Um, that part was fine. For me, it's the fact that my laptop just decided this was this was the month that it was just going to stop, right? Uh, so I'm, like, trying to Photoshop in my whatever, right? And it's just like, nope, not today. But actually, you know what? Photoshop's not even going to open. And then I just want to rip my hair out, you know? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I... I think uh, between us, I think we have most of the skills and most of the joy of putting it together. Like we well, both. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I think we have many of the aspects. Um, it's the marketing part that I think both of us are a little bit like. Eh, I'm not, you know, I'm not super sure about that. But it's an experiment, and I think that's how we're running it. We're just going to see how it goes. Yeah, and I, and really. Um, Doing a zine and I think doing what you're doing, the I mean the overall risk is is reasonably I mean it's it's fairly low. Yeah, yeah. It should be good. I I, I realized it was Zine Quest just a few weeks into the progress into progress on it, and I was like, oh wait, hang on, Terry, how fast can we speed this up? Can we make it? <laughs> we could run it on ZineQuest, and there's people actually who want to know that. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'll tell you, so. ZineQuest is a good time to be able to, to, to provide a point where you can say, I must have this done by. I mean, it really is a yeah. good, like you could, you could just keep pushing this off forever 
Right. But now you're like, ooh, we don't want to wait another year. We want to do it no. this year. ZineQuest is perfect and it gives you a goal to, to, to aim for. Yeah, I think having that deadline is really important. Um, I make my kids, my uh, students have deadlines, right? Uh, and otherwise, like, we all know that the Internet has all information out there everywhere, but why have we not all learned a thousand skills? We don't have those deadlines. Yeah, I think uh, I think this has been a good push for us. Yeah, and uh, so is, is it all written? Is it all completed? Um, so we've written it all. We've revised it all. And then we were in layout. So we have, like, the cover and, you know, some of the interior pieces done. And then I was laying it out, and I was laying it out, and I said, hang on a second, how many pages is this going to be? <laughs> and so we are going back through now, and we are cutting out um, a lot of description and that kind of a thing so that we can get it down to a reasonable number of pages, because it was twice as long as we thought it was. It's what you get from a couple of writers, you know. That is hard. So I had a situation where... I had scope creep, and it turned into, it, it became too big. Yeah. Um, and um, so, yes, that's, especially with a zine, because you can, generally, you can find people, you can sometimes find a printer that can, can staple a lot of pages. But in the end, you're going to get a book that doesn't fold flat. Right. Yeah. And that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a problem. Yeah. So, and and doing all the layout on all those pages and whatever, that was where I was like, I need more art for this because I've got more pages. Like, it started to become that sort of a thing. So, yeah. It just I think you were say, I ran into issue with the latest Gary's appendix where I could have sworn I had um, 48 pages. Mm hmm But I had 46 pages. Oh, Okay. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> like, I'm really ready to, to send proof copies. And yeah. then I'm like, okay, uh, get a page worth of art. And uh, and then uh -huh. I got another piece of art. And I said, you know, I'll call it a day. But it's just like, sometimes even the page count, like you can, you think you got it. You think you got it. And you're like, you got to keep them multiples of four. Otherwise, you with a zine, it doesn't work. Um yeah. You're going to have blank pages. Nobody wants blank pages. Right. Unless maybe in a journaling RPG. Um, well, but <laughs> what, they will sometimes, people will just, to make up, they don't know what to put. They'll just put at the end, they'll put notes, like, like right. somebody's supposed to write at the back of their other book. Right, but, right. No, we're going to avoid that uh, <laughs> if at all possible. <laughs> Notebook not included. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's strange how you can get all the way to the end and you could be like, or close to the end, and you'd be like, oh, no. Yeah. Our goal is to have the final um, the final cuts to be done midweek next week um, so that we know that we're, you know, where we're at. We can do our final, like, grammar checks and all of that before we are um, basically cleaned up and ready to go. So... Yeah, you don't want your students getting a hold of this and finding grammar mistakes. Oh, right. Yeah, that would be <laughs> worst case for sure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. So what's exciting is um, it would be good for you to, I feel, uh, give advice to that I don't take, but 
to talk about <laughs> record, write down your thoughts before you go into Kickstarter. Yeah. And what you think it'd be like. And then once you're in the throes of Kickstarter, I don't, you've, you've never experienced a Kickstarter before. So it's, it's a, it is a strange emotional journey. I gotta say, so, um, so I was there when my husband, Zach was starting his Kickstarter journey and I went through a lot of the highs and lows with him. Okay, so you know what to expect. Okay. And, yeah, and he's an auditory processor. So, like, he has to talk it all out with somebody, and I happen to be the one who's there. So, <laughs> so I already know, but it's been really nice to watch Terry. Like, um, so I got it all laid out, and I got all the, like, the boxes for Kickstarter entered. And then to walk her through it, like, to bring her in on a Zoom, and she just, like her face to realize how real it was and how close it was. And like, just the, the emotion from her was really kind of a beautiful experience. So it's been a good experience so far. I'm pretty excited about how it's going. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about, I mean, I guess you guys have, have written this Terry written any, has she published anything before? She's not, she's got, um, she has a novel that she sent out to a few. She's trying to go traditional route. So she's got one novel that she's sending out to people um, for, um, you know, getting an agent. And she's got another one that she just finished in a different genre that she just did some final edits on before that one's ready to go out. So she's got a little rewriting on that one before it goes out. Um, but uh, she is not published yet either. There's something about getting that that physical thing that you've yeah. done. It's, it seems much more real once you go through all of this. Yeah. Yep. I'm looking forward to that. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I, uh, because of my history and graphic design and the print, I, my very first job out of school was at a print company. And so like, I've got preference. I'm like, I know the, like the paper and like the textures and like the, whatever, like, so I'm trying really hard right now, first project, to kind of keep expectations low. Does that make sense? As far oh, yeah. as, like, I know what I want. Um, we'll see how it turns out. But I am familiar with a lot of that. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be one of those things where it'll be, it'll kind of be like all the pieces of my life fell into place holding it in my hand, I think. That's, that's interesting to have had the, those experiences. I mean, and really, like you say, with having the graphic design, so being able to do the layout and being able to have be able to write it and being able to um, and also have the printing background, That's those are all very helpful things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all helpful. See, I was trained in all of this. Zach wasn't trained in any of it, and it's his job now. So that's <laughs> kind, of a, kind of a great little uh, ironic oh, twist of yes, life, right? Yeah, it is, it is. Yeah, yeah so... So you're going to be, it's going to be going to Kickstarter, and is it, is it how many, do you know how many days you're going to be um, running this? Uh, we're releasing it on the 12th, and I think we're going to run it, we were going to run it for three weeks, but I don't know, Kickstarter had kind of changed that, I don't know if we have to keep it inside February now. Um, I don't think so. You don't think so? Okay. Um, I kind of think we're just going to run it for two weeks at this point. I think we're going to run it the last two. I don't know. I, I would at least recommend if you don't have to run it in two, that you run it longer than two. But uh, you, for me, some people will, will may say differently, but the problem with 
with going longer is you're in the the slew of despair mm-hmm. <laughs> for longer. Right. Yeah. But you're still getting something. Like you, you never like. I don't think you lose by doing that. But you, you might get an extra (laughs) couple hundred dollars by by. But you got to look at like your emotional health too. It's just like you know. Yeah. But um, no, that sounds exciting. So, so it's got it's got Carter. Zach was so Zach was like when I talked to Zach. Zach was like absolutely elated. I think he's really proud of me because it's something he can understand, right? Like, <laughs> he gets it. So, yeah, he's pretty excited. Yeah, well, I think it's the idea that there's, there's the like, the Venn diagram. There's a, that overlap, right? Uh-huh. There's, like, your stuff and my stuff. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, look at this. Yes. And then he found out this week that our son is writing that game with his friend. He's like, all the things. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think for sure. Um, yeah, so, um, I think he's pretty happy about it. It was kind of funny. Um, I was painting Warhammer minis well before I met him, which is, you know, so we kind of had that overlap to begin with, but, um, yeah, I think that's kind of nice. So he was telling you about all the pieces to it though. Oh, was he ever, he was excited. Yeah. 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 About the um, moons so, and the, the way these there's a there's a cycle that goes and you use these these metal coins for tracking the, the tracking like, the time. Yeah. Yeah. So time works differently in the Fey world, right? So yeah, so we have a separate uh moon tracker. Um I decided to use the moon because there's some older legends that kind of predate some of the other stuff. Uh about like moon goddess and some of that kind of stuff. And so um, as far as trying to find time and a way to track time, we decided to go that route. Um, But you can only be under the hill for three days. And then, you know, the old stories would say that, you know, somebody wandered in and three days later they wandered out, but 700 years had passed in the human world or whatever, you know. Um, And so to kind of play on that idea, we have this moon tracker. You can only be under there three days but you move the time back and forth depending on how your interactions with the Fago. And so, yeah, we've got a special card. We've got a special coin you can get. We've got a special deck of playing cards so that you really feel like you're immersed in it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, so it's not just a uh, writing prompts, writing prompts, writing prompts. It goes, there's, right. there's, there's mechanics and fun tactile things to do with this game yeah. to interact with it, not just a... An abstraction. Well, it's still right. abstraction, but uh I like abstraction. Um I'm I'm kinda loud and proud about it, but um I am ADHD, right? Like that's that's a big part. Like I was undiagnosed for a long time and I didn't understand what was going on and finally a couple years ago I got diagnosed. But for me, having like physical playing cards to actually play with and fiddle with as I'm like figuring stuff out or a coin to like rub as I'm thinking things through, like having that physical element for me is a really valuable piece of that. And so I kind of wanted to bring that into the game. Well, and I think too, I mean, you know, from market standpoint, maybe it adds more cost, but I think the other thing is you're, you are creating a, a, a more memorable, I don't say memorable, but it does stand out. Like this is very interesting. Yeah, it all makes, and, yeah. And it's atmospheric. So it all, uh-huh. It all it all ties together in a way that that it makes sense. So mm-hmm. uh, and that does and so so are you 
Are you going to be, do you know if you're going to be doing any shipping uh, overseas? Um, so shipping was something, you talked about the little things that, you know, we weren't really excited about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are using Wagdi to handle all of our shipping. So, okay. um, so we are going to get everything ordered and then they will do our warehouse and our shipping. Uh, and they have a lot more experience in that than us. So I, I trust them to do that part for us. Yeah. Yeah. Team Troy. Um, the um... <laughs> yeah, Troy. <laughs> I love Troy. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> um, the yeah, and I do the same thing. Except I, what I do is I, but this is different. Is I use print on demand for okay. uh, I use Lulu to fulfill overseas orders. So that's mm-hmm. that's not Troy. That's Jeff. So then I okay. but but it's kind of nice. So I guess the question is, you know, the other thing is. You, uh, do you need the components to play the game, or are those just simply the uh, things that are... You don't need the components to play the game, but because there is this moon tracker, it is going to be... Um, the moon tracker is going to come no matter which version you get, unless you have the digital version. That's going to be probably a little bit harder to do there, but um, you could sketch that out on a notebook sheet, and it's not going to be a terrible problem for you, I guess. Um but the actual items themselves are really just to enhance the experience. So you could yeah. use any coin. You could, you know, like any deck of playing cards. You could use a digital deck of playing cards, you know, whatever. But um, it just really enhances it. Yeah, so you've got, I think it was actually you guys found a, it showed me the cards. Great, mm-hmm. great looking deck of cards, like perfect. Yeah. Uh, you've got some, some, um, some, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Um the the coins themselves are are mock-ups of old uh mm-hmm. of old what Irish coins is that the yeah, yeah. uh-huh yeah so uh we try to go so for the cards they are uh black cards with kind of some filigree images on them of various fae for the face cards which is so exciting that's what sold me on the cards um because we do have specific fae creatures and fae uh characters that are named so like uh, each of the queens and kings, for example, are a specific fey uh, queen or king um, or fey lord. And so we have chosen specific ones for specific houses and being able to see the face cards that kind of go along with those personalities. I don't know. It's just it's a very fun thing. And I really liked the portrayal in those cards of that. I felt like it was kind of I don't know. It was kind of how we envisioned it. Right. Um just being able to look at their faces and to to kind of feel that was really nice. So well, I'm very excited about that. You didn't have to like say, okay, I'm going to give up on something I don't like. Like these don't really fit, but they work. At least you didn't have to right. sacrifice. Oh, they're perfect. Yeah. yeah. I saw them. I was like, yes, this is what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and it's artwork that I didn't have to make too, right? Like they're beautiful. We were able to source them. So um, that was that was such a beautiful thing to to have them like that. Um, I think it's going to be great to be able to look at the fae king or queen that you're facing down. You know, I think that's, I think that's a really fun thing. Um, and then the coin also, I wanted a tracker. I, um, Terry and I built this game to be replayable. That was something that was important to us. Um, just from an economic standpoint, you know, with COVID and everything like that, we wanted this to be something where people could play this game once and get one story out of it, and it was fun, but if they play it again, they get a completely different story out of it, right? Um, it's it's 
in part driven by which card you pull, but it's also based on do you choose to sell out that Fay person or do you choose to keep them as a positive, uh, positive reference for you later when you may need that relationship, you know? So um, it's about half fate and it's half choice. So even if you pull the same cards, you may get a totally different result with those cards. So it's very replayable. So having a physical metal coin that was not just going to fall apart um, the way like a paper card would or something like that, like that was important to us too. So yeah, I think, uh, I think we found some good coins as well. So does the does the game drive to a like a a is it like a pyramid where it drives everything to a specific conflict at the end? No, um, this is really fun. Okay, so uh, there are a few may few main ways that you could end. You could win by getting your brother, finding him in the game, winning him. There are various cards that will connect you to your brother. Uh, so you find the brother, and then there are other cards that will send you home. So you may both go home together, happily ever after. He may get sent home without you, which is a partial win. Uh, so you may be stuck in the land of the Fae forever to be used however they want to use you. Um, but your brother is at least safe. Uh, you may be sent home without your brother, in which case you've lost, right? Because your yes. whole purpose was to take care of right. him. Um, or you both may be trapped forever. Um, and... In any of those situations, depending on how you play it, you could also uh, basically start a war of the Fae, and so then the queens would go to war. So there are several ways that this may turn out for you, and again, that just goes into the fact that we were really building this with the hope of replayability. That's quite a bit for not having previous game design experience. It comes from... Well, how can you have the Fae without any of those elements, though, right? They're so complicated. They're so entwined no, with each no, other. No, I mean, to go from being, I, 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 oh. I'm a writer to now, this is not just a simple, like, quote-unquote journaling, like... Well, that was me, and that's because I have edited so many books of, like, foundationary rules for different systems. <laughs> um, I think I probably have five or six different systems that I have, like, gone through. Uh, so just osmosis, you just, it's now permeated a, your body. You just can't. There was uh, some of that and a lot of playtesting, right? Like that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause I've, I've, and this was interesting. We see people who do things that, you know, that I couldn't do or think of, but it's like, I think if I were tasked for it, there is absolutely no way I could, there's no way, even I've been playing games for a long time, but there is absolutely no way I could create a system that would work like that. There's just, it just, Oh, well, it, it kind of came in layers. So, like, the first layer was just, you know, um, it ended up being, like, all chance, right? Um, and I got to the end of it, and I was like, eh, I don't like everything being up to a roll of the dice, right? This is supposed to be a role-playing game. And, yeah, I love the journaling aspect, but not everybody's just going to want to journal, right? They still want to actually be able to have uh, some autonomy in the game, right? They want to be able to make choices, and so, okay, well, let's revise that. All right, so we got that to a point. Okay, well, now, you know, there's still not a lot of, like, role-playing, though. Like, there's choices, but I like the actual role-playing part of it. So how do we get that in there? Well, relationships. Of course we need relationships, right? Um, and so it just kind of came in layers, and that's, that's how it sort of ended up. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, when you mentioned that, because I was listening to a podcast where they're talking about a fellow who wrote the, um, he called the Five Room Dungeon. Mm -hmm. And it was based off of, uh, was it Campbell's uh, uh, The Hero's Journey? Mm -hmm. I love The Hero's Journey. Yeah. So he took, from what I understand, he he explained it like, he, he, he took out things that didn't apply to adventures and just came up with like basic, basic five points mm-hmm. and kind of followed that model. But at least my point is what you're leaning on isn't necessarily, necessarily just the game design is being informed by your, um, by your experience with writing. Yeah. Yeah. That's informing your gaming. So you're able to come through game design from, from, your experience with writing, like, uh-huh. like relationships, that's the key. That's the key yeah. to any good story. Right, yeah. Well, you yeah. don't, have, like, well, that's not just about <laughs> a person doing this. There has to be other things this person engages with, you know, and well, I think it's interesting that you you came, you come by the same thing, but in a way that's a different direction. But it's, yeah. it's it, but it's not like, it's like they're, they're very related, I guess is what I want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think part of it is also just um, being steeped in the lore of it, right? Like, we, this is a zine. This is not a full game. Um, Terry is very excited now. She's like, oh, I loved writing this. I'm ready to write, like, a 100 other journaling RPG games. Like, she's very <laughs> excited to go that direction. For me, I love this world, and I would love to blow up this uh, this single-person journaling game into a much bigger, like, campaign book with a group and to be able to have multiple ways to play it. I think that would be really fun. So, you know, I don't know what's going to come in the future. This is just, you know, our right now. But I think it's just been kind of a an interesting ride. Yeah, I think the way that we looked at it was maybe different. But part of that's also, uh, I think, not being so immersed in like journaling RPG culture, like it only goes this way or this is, right. you know. Yeah, I think some of that's just being fresh and not knowing the rules so we get to break the rules because they're new. Yeah, and I think also, I mean, role-playing games, you know, they've been around for, you know, for, you know, a long, long time. Um, the um, They're still not, I mean, it's still a relatively new form. Mm-hmm. And there's still ways of exploring, and, and with journaling being like just a, a subgenre of of sub 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 subgenre. It's really, I would say, you know, I, I maybe people were doing journaling games 20 years ago, but it's like very rare. Like, so even it's it, it, it's you know it's infancy. This is like so. There's things that have been. I don't think when you look at education and with uh, people use it for like therapy or for even for games or combinations or, I mean, it's like the opportunities and possibilities for role-playing games is, is huge. And I don't, we've not explored it. And, and really with the journaling games, it's, it's also another form that is, I think, largely unexplored. It's just now people are now engaging with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's interesting. I am very excited by the growth in it, right? Like, um, I think there's such an aspect of, and this is kind of going outside the RPG thing for a second, but just like society right now seems really fractured and, you know, people are kind of like 
nervous about hanging out because what if we don't, you know, click or whatever, you know, like that kind of thing. But there's something about sitting around a table where you all have the same like goal at the end of the day that is, I don't know, healing's not the right word, but like it does kind of make the world feel like it fits together better. And I found, I found that people of all, I mean, obviously there's going to be exceptions. There's always that potential mm-hmm. for that person. But sure. in general, you go to conventions or even getting to people who have different beliefs. You're there and you can have a structured social activity mm-hmm. that you can enjoy time with people who are not you and sometimes visibly different from you in many ways, you know. Yeah. And uh, and then, then you learn like, oh, I guess they're people too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Imagine I think that. that's one of the things society's <laughs> forgotten is like, oh, we can we can actually do things with people who are different than us. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a good thing. It's a good. Yeah, thing. I don't have to agree with, with their their politics or their religion or other things, but you know what? We have a good time at the table, and they're real people, and I can respect people for being a person, and yep, we we can find at least that common ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, one of the things. I do really like about this game is um, like my, my first DM was autistic, for example. Right. Um, I've got all that ADHD, you know, whatever. Um, I'm excited to bring in to the layout, like some fonts that are better for like dyslexia. I just think there's a lot of things uh, talking about like people who maybe feel different or whatever, being able to be inclusive with a group of people Um that maybe also haven't always felt included in everything. I think that's a really awesome part of being part of the community is there's definitely some connection there to all of that as well. Right. Right. And, and bringing more people in the hobby is always a good thing and right. It's, you know, it, why wouldn't you want to include more people? (laughs) Yes. But it is kind of funny how much it's grown. Right. So like, um, when my dad first heard that I was playing D and D, he's like, but do you sacrifice cats? And I was like, no, dad. Like, what? No. <laughs> it's like, and for me, it was very much like I loved painting the minis, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and then it just became about storytelling, right? Like, I loved being able to tell a story with a group of people, uh, which I guess makes sense that that's kind of the angle we took when we wrote ours. Yeah, and also, I was going to say, too, um, you know, you're talking about seeing what could be bigger, but um, have you, um, so there's a there's a game called Vason. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm-mm. So mm-hmm. are you familiar with Call of Cthulhu? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So imagine that, but with simpler rules, but it's set in the 1800s. Okay. And, and it's either set in mythic Ireland or mythic England, and it's dealing with those creatures in their mythological underpinnings awesome and so what's happened is the it's kind of like with with animals where nature is being kind of pushed out Mm -hmm. they're being pushed out and it's creating problems Mm -hmm. and then you're a group of people trying to there's a problem with a some creature and you're trying to figure out what the problem is and trying to resolve it okay not necessarily kill it it's just a um but my point is it's a very popular game and I sure. think th- that and and there's a couple other things that I think people are interested in that kind of genre. So I think um, mm-hmm. I think there's opportunities as far as interest in that area. It's, it's been proven. 
Yeah, yeah, I think it's a really good field, and uh, it's so beautiful. Like, the artwork from all the ages um, in that particular genre is just really gorgeous, and I think that's also been attractive for me as well. Well, you are right. If you want to say, if I want really, really, really cool art, and I don't want to pay a dime for it, uh, the public domain stuff from See, I haven't even books. gone to the public domain yet. Oh. I haven't gone there yet. So uh, I'm in part because I just know it's going to be such an influence on me uh, in both good and bad ways, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's so beautiful. And also, I didn't train officially as an artist and I'm not oh. this good. Like, I think it'll be both of those, right? Oh, oh, so are you doing your own art then? I'm doing a lot of my own art. Yeah, oh. there's a there's a little okay. bit from like stock images and whatever. But like, yeah, there's a lot of it that's just mine. So, okay. Yeah. But yeah, so there's a but there's a book influences in styles and things you can do. They're just very fun. But I know for myself, it's like I, I wish I could do more with some of the stuff because um, there's some really, really, really cool stuff out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not amazing. I'm just okay. So we're, we're going <laughs> to see how all this ends up in final layout um, because I definitely want this book to look awesome before we go. That's Well, I've found, too, I mean, is that if you've got good design, uh, a good layout, and then just by presenting graphical elements within your pages, as you, as you know, you can get by without having a lot of art because it's still yeah. visual things that complement what you're writing. I've had to cheat sometimes, like, okay, I've got no art, but I gotta make this thing look like a science fiction book. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't want just to look like just words on a page. So I better figure something out. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a level for sure of artistry to that, to doing the page layout and to doing yeah, all of the stuff that the formatting and all of that, for sure. Yeah, so but but I'm I'm and, and, and also you being able to do the art as well just adds another, uh, the more you have to uh, um, hire people to do things for you, the more money it costs. <laughs> so it's well, like, yes. See, <laughs> see, Jeff, this is called bootstrapping. This is yes. called, we have never done a Kickstarter before. And so I am bootstrapping the heck out of this. And so next time, would I love to hire like actual artists? Yes, that would be awesome. Um, for right now, for our first project, I can't afford that yet. Um, but I, I so appreciate the art that goes around in some of these. Like some of these artists are really amazing. I just really appreciate that. Yeah, I'll get there. I'm not to the point of AI art yet. Um, no, I still want it. I still want it people made. But um, yeah, I just can't afford to hire somebody right now. No, because I, I. For one of my Kickstarters, I did supplement a little bit of AIR before it became a really, really hot topic, but I will not put it in. Um, well, I'm not going to put in any more any projects. Um, it's just mm -hmm. the there is a very, you know, even if it seems minor and whatever, it, there's definitely a, a strong feeling against it that it's just not yeah. worth it. Yeah. Well, I think... Um... Right now, there are two big places where artists are getting work, and that is through advertising, and it's through stuff like this. Um, and if I could, if I could not force people to make us buy stuff that we don't want to buy by making that be where they sell their art, oh, there you I would go. To, <laughs> I would love to support them in in this kind of a thing instead. Yeah, and I will say that 
there are really good artists. The, the problem really is, uh, there's a couple of things, but I think one is, is, is um, trying to, f it's not always easy to find artists that, that, that produce um, what you're looking for, the style you're mm -hmm. looking for. That, that's, that's a hard part. Yeah. You know, so there's that aspect. And there's the other angle of then being able to afford it. So, right. uh, yeah. so sometimes those two come together. It's great. You know, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a unicorn, right? But you know, it may be eventually this may go gangbusters and maybe the next one you like with Gary's appendix, I've, I've been putting more money into the covers. So, you know, hopefully mm -hmm. that will, will, will pay off, but, uh, but it's more, a lot of stock art in the interior. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's just like, well, I just, you just put the money where you can um, and then work from there. But no, it's, from what I've seen, it looks like a great, a great product. I've seen what, what Zach's showing me as far as uh, the mock-ups and things. They look, they look really good. Well, thank you. Thank you a lot. I'm, I'm very excited about it. I think at this point we have worked the game out so that it's interesting, so that it's replayable. Uh, I think it's got so many great elements. Terry is uh, definitely more of a detail writer than I am. So she's got some really great details in there as far as setting the scene and all of the sensory stuff and all of that. Um, so I, I am very excited with how the project is looking right now. Yeah, I am too. So that'll be, uh, you said the 12th of February for two mm -hmm. weeks. So yeah. I will probably be dropping this, uh, plan to drop this uh, on Saturday, which would be the 10th. So that okay. would be just in time awesome. for people to hear it and to rush over to Kickstarter. And the name cool. of the, the Terra Articus art. Terra Arcus. Uh -huh. Terra Arcus. Yes. So what is Terra Arcus? Um. It is uh, basically like Earth Castle in Latin, right? So it is it is the castle under the hill, basically. Yeah. Ah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, very cool. No, it yeah. looks great. So, anyway, uh, thanks for for joining me tonight. And um, and um, I guess the question is: uh, Is there any anyways? Are you? Do you have? Uh, are you looking for any freelance work or um, for people to do? I'm super happy to do any editing, yeah. Uh, and like I said, I've done several different worlds and that kind of thing. So uh, I don't do a lot of the math side, but if you need any kind of um, any kind of basic grammatical editing, last checks, that kind of thing, uh, I'm your lady. So yeah, reach out, give me a holler. And so, how can people reach you? Uh, you can reach me um, on well, gee. Uh, I don't have I don't have my business page set up yet because uh, I've just done uh, basically <laughs> friends and family at this point. Uh, but if you want to email me, you are welcome to email me Meg M E G Goins G O I N S one hundred one at Gmail, uh, and I will be happy to uh, to reach out at that point. Okay, and I'll put that in the show notes. Okay, perfect. So good luck. Thank you very much. Hope to see you all the day. All right, take care. <laughs>